Welcome to Friday 15, everybody. Brian Beck here with Andy Hoare. It's a Friday. Good, uh, good to be here with you, Andy. November 10th. Getting towards fall. It's getting a little colder outside. It's all good. Welcome, everyone. Colder. If you're in LA, what is that? 62 degrees? Gets, man, it goes down to like, you know, 50 at night. That's freezing. That's like earth shattering yeah. temperatures out here. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Well, what a what an well, incredible week we had, Andy. I uh, was out in uh, Atlanta for our executive roundtable. We had a great group of folks out there um, talking about AI. One of the things we're going to talk a little bit about today. Uh, so it's a good good week. And how was your week, Andy Hoare? Pretty good. Um, a lot of interesting news came out. So yeah. why don't we uh, get right to it? Let's get over to our let's, let's get over to our. Oh. Great news look at that hopefully it doesn't repeat it didn't what do you know excellent well let's bring this on to the stage here uh and andy did you see this first article here let's see here here we go elon musk debuts grok an ai bot to rival chat gpt did you see this announcement so what's this I all did. about yeah so you know people have forgotten that uh elon musk actually was one of the founders of open ai which was the parent company of uh chat gpt but he had a disagreement with Sam Altman, um, and he thought that ChatGPT was too biased. So he wanted to set up his own AI, uh, and this is it. Um, but what's interesting about this is I think people in the know have kind of predicted this. We're going to have multiple versions of AI. I know it sounds kind of odd to say that, but we're going to have probably ones with different political leanings, different mm. philosophical approaches. So. There isn't going to be a universal truth. I, I hope people aren't hoping for that. But AI actually should, in sort of, sort of by nature, not be biased. So well, it's well, Andy. It's becoming more human. I mean, it, it's you know, AI. Human beings are biased, right? So if you think about what is AI, it's you know, it's, it's trending itself towards becoming more like a human. And in fact, what was that uh, the, the term I mentioned earlier uh, before our call here today? Singularity. A, singularity. Thank you. Where there's a uh, you know, there's this this theory that you know the AI is going to sort of overtake humans and its ability to think and make decisions and be you know really. I'm telling you, man, we're heading towards the matrix. Some scientists said it was going to happen in like five or six, seven years. I don't know if it's going to take that long. In certain areas, it's already kind of happening, which is why I think. The, the value of this is, and, and I think you wanted to mention something about what you heard earlier. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to. Atlanta, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think we're starting to see the emergence of AI <clears throat> for real practical applications. And I think one of the first ones mm -hmm. is customer service and support. Yes. And uh, I think what we've seen is there are some companies actually now that are using Gen AI to support the fact that much of their workforce with domain expertise is a trading out. Yeah, let's let's face it. They're fifty some year old guys that are mostly going to be retiring here soon, and you can't replace somebody with that knowledge with somebody who's twenty five, no matter how eager they are. So those people are going to need to be bolstered, but yep. they're going to be bolstered by these tools, and some of these tools are going to be self serve. So kind of drawing a, a through line here, yep. we're going to see chatbots that are going to be very well informed able to recognize what people are talking about, can already read what people are thinking, you know, what they're saying. So I think we're going to see uh, the emergence of AI chatbots that are going to be specific to B2B applications. But what happened? Yeah, yeah. This well, that, this was, Andy, this was the, I mean, our whole theme. So we do these regional roundtables, folks, uh, all around the country, 
2024, we're going to be doing them in about eight or 10 markets. Um, and we bring together executives in these markets and we talk about, we have a round table where we talk about topics that are relevant for their business. And our topic in Atlanta this week was AI and how people are using it in their business, what promise it has. And we had some really interesting use cases, Andy. And to your point about customer service, one of the VPs of e-commerce in the room was uh, was talking about how he is, he's got customer service reporting to him, amongst other things. And wh what they're doing is actually using using uh, ChatGPT uh, to create customized responses for customer uh, service inquiries. It's interesting because in the past, they would take templated snippets. And when a customer would inquire about something, they'd use that same template with every customer. Now they actually use AI to customize the response. So it's interesting. It's almost a it's almost counterintuitive. They're using AI to become more human-like and create a, a more a more uh, custom response and improve the level of service versus what they were doing before, which was just cutting and pasting. You know, thank you for your inquiry. We'll be respond to you in two minutes or or whatever a day or never or never. But now it's now it's much more. Um, uh, automated in terms of in terms of the the throughput of the response, but it's also more custom. So it's fascinating. It's it's becoming more more customized, more human like using AI. Isn't that fascinating? Well, give it a few years, you won't be able to tell the difference. In fact, it will be disappointed if you get a generic response to a specific question. Right. You know, I think one of the AI use cases that we've been talking about for a while is even people using Amazon Connect to mm -hmm. read what people are saying. And listen into customer conversations after the fact. So they create a transcript of it and yep. they can actually listen in. If somebody said, I'd be interested in five more of these, they yep. can actually create an order out of a transcript after the fact. There's all these tools now like Otter AI and others where you can yep. just record a conversation, transcribe it, and then mm -hmm. you can summarize it. Well, the next step is to take an action from that. And one of those actions could be, and likely yep. will be, Order me some more products. So you can actually be talking to an AI bot. The yeah. AI bot could be recording what you're saying, looking for clues uh, for orders or escalation procedures. And that's where this is going to come from. But look, all these technologies already exist. They just haven't been put together, packaged, and delivered yet in every, say, B2B use case. Yeah. Real yeah. Very soon. And again, you won't be able to tell the difference in a couple of years. Yes. Yeah. And summarizing, Andy, summarizing existing like reviews and things like that. We heard a lot of use cases. If the, if the information exists in the market uh, or you know, in your systems. AI is wonderful at summarizing things and creating a sort of themes and trends. All right. Our next story is all about Amazon. And Andy, did you see this? Amazon adds a firm as a, as a buy now, pay later option. This, you know, talk about consumerization of experiences. You know, they've had a firm in place, Amazon has, for consumer purchases for a couple of years. They've now extended it to the B2B side of Amazon. I just think we're, we're going to continue to see these kinds of adoption of features on the B2B side. They both accommodate the traditional B2B workflow buying preferences, but also accommodate the expectations that these B2B buyers have of, of, of their e-commerce experiences. They're consumers, right? So what are your thoughts, reactions? Well, also, you know what? This is what are, one of the friction points along the way, invariably with a purchase is how do you pay for it? Mm -hmm. And so we've seen this on the consumer side, as you just mentioned. We're now seeing on the B2B side, especially in the small business, medium-sized business. The enterprise businesses operate in a different model where they have 
teams that issue credit, et cetera. That's a more complex issue and a firm isn't going to penetrate that anytime soon. But we do have great, many, great many examples of companies that would like to be able to purchase things on terms. And, um, you know, if they're a smaller company or if the company that's signed to them is a smaller company, they don't have a uh, sophisticated credit department, they don't have access to terms, what have you, then yeah. it doesn't exist, right? So basically what we're seeing is what's happened for the last 40, 50 years is everything that starts out in the enterprise moves down market. Remember CRM was something that only yeah. enterprise companies, not everybody and their brother can get it. Right. This is the same way. It's going to cause some interesting issues, I think, but also some great opportunities for companies to be able to buy things on terms, use them immediately, pay later uh, when they get paid, for example, and reduce some of that friction in the process. Well, I think I think this is this is here in the enterprise space too, Andy. I mean, if you think about, I mean, you know, you and I have talked to and, and had Credit Key, for example, on a lot of our uh, events in the past, and you know, the, this. This credit reducing friction in the credit process is really key, and it's, it's being digitized. Faster approvals, more credit, for, even at the enterprise level. It's not just about small business, but I, I mean, I think we're seeing this whole. It's just another example of where friction is being eliminated from the purchase uh, path. To your point, and this is a this is a, a significant uh, uh, enhancement, I think, for for Amazon and their B two B community of buyers. So our topic today is, is price still the deciding factor in B2B purchases? The deciding factor, you know, and, and Andy, you and I go back and forth on this a lot. You know, Forrester just released a report called The State of Business Buying 2023. It came out just about a month ago. And that report found uh, that B2B buyers are citing pricing as the primary reason a B2B purchase stalls or extends over a longer period of time. And my question on this, Andy, is this just a sign of where we are in the economy? And this is, by the way, a big survey. They had some something like 18,000 respondents to this. Is this a sign of the economy? Is it a sign that the B2B buyer is different? Is it, in other words, are we just going to see this as a passing trend where, you know, pricing is, is causing delays in purchase pro processes? Or is this here to stay? What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's actually both. I, I think it is a change in buyer behavior, but I also think it's a reaction to the economy and the price sensitivity. So we were talking earlier about this and yeah. it's just a fact that younger generations grew up with price transparency. Yeah. That's you know, right. one of us, if you went to Amazon, for example, and didn't see a price, there's an <laughs> expectation now that you're going to see a price. And yeah. I think too many B2B companies have not internalized that notion. They still think price is something that happens at the end of the process, yeah, right. the end of the journey. And mm -hmm. what's happened, this is now happening at the beginning of the journey. It's a disqualifier. If you're not within the, rain, the realm or the range on price, you're not going to get to the next level. Whereas before, I think when you were talking to sales reps and call centers or looking in you know, a, a guide where you could call somebody, I, I think for that, it was more about making sure you had the right specs, making sure you had the right product, making sure you had the right kind of support. Oh, and then how much is this going to cost? Now right. it's been inverted. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that, companies have to react differently. They have to prioritize the price discussion. It's not the end of the discussion, but it's necessary, not necessarily sufficient to move people along the process. I think too many B2B companies mm -hmm. buried at the end or just hide it all together. Yeah, we had this discussion actually at, at the roundtable. We talked about, you know, how many companies are 
actually exposing their pricing and and actually a lot of the a lot of the the attendees these are all, all distributors and manufacturers said they were you know I, I i talk about this in my book andy is the age of of transparency right it's it's what came to consumer side the consumer side is now here in b2b you know i, I use the example of the car industry um you know think about the car buying process 20 25 years ago car dealers made a lot of money 20 plus percent margin on the sale of the car that number now is at three percent it's not a it's, and why it's because of transparency you when you go to buy a car you know exactly what you should pay for that car all the information is available on the internet so what does that so mean for b2b companies we've talked about this before yeah. they have to shift away from making all their margin off of the sale price of the product right. and be more services or service-centric yes and create, you know, monetize the monopoly you have. Once somebody purchases your product, you have a monopoly on that product. Yeah. The yeah. amount you charge for servicing, you know, for loans, et cetera, all that stuff, the competition goes dramatically down. But I think it's a mindset shift. It is. And it's some companies have done it, most companies still haven't. I've always felt, and I've said this for years, that with some rare exception, in B2B, nothing's about a product. It's all a service that just happens to include a product. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, I think that's true, with it, but not in every use case. I mean, you think about, you know, certain things like parts or more commodity type items, things. Yeah, like but that even are. parts can be a subscription process. That's true. That's a and good you point. Know, companies like Hilti, for example, you just buy the right. product. If it breaks, they give you a new one. Right, right. Now, that's true. So we're not there yet, but it is a mindset different. And your point about the auto industry is a good one that it changed yeah, yeah. the the unit economics of it. And, you know, too many of these companies are chasing the past. They got to be thinking more yeah. about how to position for the future. Yeah. And here's another piece of data uh, for those of you listening to the podcast to read it to you. Um, please tell us, this is from the same report. What are the most important types of information you are looking for when you think about purchase during the discover, evaluate, commit stage of the purchase process? Again, this is from the Forrester report. Price number one, above features and functions, above performance specifications. I think it speaks to the same thing, Andy, right? It's about it's about getting the price discussion out of the way early and making sure that, you know, people you're being transparent. I mean, I find this in even in even in uh, sort of purchasing services or software and things of that nature. People want to know this and just sort of set it aside and say, OK, this is I understand the pricing. Now let's talk about what really differentiates the, you know, you, your service, your product, et cetera, in the market. That's right. If we if you're not in the range, why should I waste my time? Exactly. So price, yeah, the, the the age of transparency. So we're coming up on time here, guys, on our Friday 15. We wanted to share a couple things with you. Um, first is the poll we asked, um, is price still the central deciding factor in B2B purchase decisions? And what's fascinating here, we asked this question on LinkedIn, what's fascinating, the result, it's almost the same. Yes, price is the main factor. 52% of our respondents said that, no, 48%. So you know, I think the, the the market's still sort of people are still thinking that you know it's it's a it's a considerable factor, but in in many cases other things will outweigh it. But Can I, I suggest something here though, Brian. Yeah. I think that this was mostly B two B sellers. Could be. And I wonder if it was exclusively B two B buyers if what the numbers would look the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah. In fact, well, on LinkedIn, we can't necessarily control who responds, right, or who votes. So yeah, good. Good point. Well, so folks, we have uh, next week on November 14th, 2 p.m. Eastern time, we have our 2024, 2024, Andy, B2B e-commerce predictions. Nostradamus will be in attendance. 
<laughs> He's going to be in the house, I heard. He's going to be in the house. We have six predictions. We're talking, of course, we have one about AI, uh, Amazon business, the CDO. What CDO? The CDO still, still, still in the house or not? Right, and we'll and we'll define that. We'll leave that one a mystery, and several others, folks. We got some great, uh, great things we're going to share, and and we have some special guests joining us too, Andy. So I'm excited about excited about that. Um, and for those of you who haven't yet joined our forum, we've got almost 400 people in there now, Andy. All practitioners, it's free. Uh, if you are a qualified, you know, executive, um, manager, director, senior level executive at a a B2B company, a manufacturer, distributor, or brand, you can go to our website, masterb2b.com, go to the forum tab and go ahead and, and submit um, you know, an application to for a membership to join us. So hope to see more of you there. We're getting some good questions in, Andy, uh, around you know different things, people asking about technologies, et cetera. Really great, uh, really great place to network as well. So Andy, any final words before we wrap up our Friday, at this point, 17? <laughs> yeah. No, I I, uh, I think, yeah, if, if you haven't joined the uh, Master B2B forum yet, if you're a manufacturer distributor, there's no reason not to. And the people in it love it. So I'd say jump, jump, run, don't walk to do that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, the uh, webinar, the webcast, I should say, about predictions. That's always fun. And then we'll have another Friday 15 next Friday. All right, guys, we'll see you next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Thanks for joining us today on Friday 